Causeway Street Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Pavone. Joel Pavone. Mr. Sean Dutra. Hey, this is Leon Poe, man. You're listening to Causeway Street Podcast. What's up, y'all? This is Kenny Anderson. Hi, this is Tyler Zeller from the Boston Celtics. And y'all listen to the Causeway Street Podcast. All you new listeners out there, I'm your host, Joseph Pavone. I'm joined as usual by my two co-hosts. I'm Sean Dutra. What's up? Yeah, like talk about walks yourself. on the B. There you go. Joel Pavone. What up? I'm a Pisces. <laughs> the most romantic. He leads off with that. Most romantic sign in all of the zodiac. Oh, you couldn't tell by my voice already. Oh, sexy. I'm the producer of this ensemble that we call Causeway Street. In case you missed it, you're listening to Causeway Street. Enjoy the show, man. It's always good. Team Ambassador, Boston Celtics, Rampo, baby. Holla. Where are we going? You guys are such homers. It's your boy Taylor here. You're listening to the Causeway Street podcast. Now, listen to my boys, Joe Sway. Joel and Sean. there by myself like I was in the gym working on my game and throwing up everything and I was just going in so it was it was a special feeling you know when you got Tommy Heinsohn going on that you must be doing something right Isaiah Thomas making history Friday night 52 points at the garden after the Celtics almost came back from 20 down against the Cavs Isaiah Thomas Loses his mind and goes nuts, making history against the Miami Heat as the Celtics just crawled away with a win there, 117-114. to 114. Here to break it down is, of course, Joel's here alongside me. We got Sean Dutra on the phone. He's going to break things down. Sean was so excited that he couldn't, couldn't make it in the studio. He was just, you know, he was going to mess things up here in the studio. So we said, you know what, we'll, we'll talk to you on the phone, Sean. We'll break things down about that game, of course. We'll also talk about a recent report that says the Hawks are shopping around big man Paul Millsap. So, of course, we asked the question, would you like to see Millsap in the Celtics uniform? We'll break that down. We'll also kick off our top 25 NBA players list, counting down 25 through 21. We'll each go through our list and uh, react to it, of course, because I'm sure there's going to be some kind of debate between the three of us. And then at the end, of course, we do what we always do. We take our trip around the league with In Case You Missed It, and Joel fills us in on what's going on around the NBA. So, Joel, I'll let you start first. Reaction, thoughts, Isaiah Thomas, historic night. I'm going to ask you straight up, is it about that time for us to start calling Isaiah Thomas a superstar? Well, first of all, Happy New Year to uh, you and, uh, and Dutra and all our listeners. Oh yeah, that's right. The first, uh, first, first one of 2017. That's right. And to uh, to witness that in person, because me and Sway were were at the game, was um, nothing short of amazing. Um, and I don't use that word that often. You can ask Sway here. I'm not. I'm not 
big on using that word with, when it comes to sports and basketball in particular, but I've never seen anything like that in person. And is Isaiah Thomas a superstar? Well, if he didn't prove it to you last season, he's definitely been proven in the last few weeks, and he put a stamp on 2016 being an all-star, technically because it was last season, but it was still 2016. Putting an exclamation point with his 52 points and a home win that, I don't know, let's just, and have, doing that in front of his mother and his kids and having his family in the stands and, and just seeing the garden go nuts. I haven't seen the garden go nuts like that in quite some time. So to answer your question, yes, Isaiah Thomas is a, is a superstar. All right, Joel, way to finally answer my question after uh, <laughs> giving us your whole the whole wrap-up of your night at the TD Garden. Of course, yes, Joel and I were both there. Uh, Dutra, I turn the question over to you. Uh, is Isaiah Thomas a, a superstar or what? Yo, what? it was it was absolutely like you know you everyone can sort of tell what Isaiah is about to take over the game in the fourth quarter. It, it seems to happen nightly, but it was really funny. You know, obviously Gorman has always something to say. He goes, "Well, you know, even for Isaiah not having a, the best shooting night, I think he said that somewhere in like the third uh, third quarter, and then all of a sudden." Boom, Isaiah just explodes. I mean, 52 points, man. Yo, Paul Pierce didn't even get 52 points. So, Wait, I mean, for, for Speed to argue that Isaiah is a star, I don't know. I don't think that um, anyone can argue that now. And, I mean, it doesn't even have to do with the 52 points, that number. Like, it's one game. People, you know, bad players have gotten 50 points before. Uh, didn't Ter- Terrence Ross get 50 points like last year or something like that? But this is a, this is a he's he's fifth in the league in scoring. Am I right with that? Fifth or fourth in the league in scoring? He's fifth he's now. Yep. This, he's been doing this all year, absolutely all year. And you know the Celtics are the third best team in the East. Granted, the East is you know the East, but the third best team in the East. You're the best player on the team. You're going to be the – he should be the starting guard in the Eastern Conference uh, All-Star game. Yeah, yeah, he's he's the guy that uh, we've been looking to get. But uh, unfortunately, he's not in that top 10 NBA stardom, I don't think. He's on the edge, but he's not in there yet. But um, that that's really what we're going to have to look to add uh, maybe at this trade deadline. We'll see. This opening segment is brought to you by Blue Apron. This is the Causer Street Podcast, of course. Blue Apron, the variety of pre-portioned meals have something for everyone. Find out for yourself by signing up for three free meals, including free shipping at blueapron.com slash causeway. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Now, Dutra, I understand what you're saying. I mean, it's kind of obvious to, to say, the, you know, that Isaiah Thomas is a great scorer and that he can perform at a high level and that he's able to, you know, be... I know after this, you can say he's one of the best scorers in the NBA. But the reason I ask you the question about him being a superstar is because I feel like the common narrative that we always hear throughout Celtics Nation is that this team needs a superstar. The Celtics, yeah, they're great. They got a handful of great players, but they need a superstar, a superstar. Can we change that narrative now? Can we say the Celtics need another superstar? Because you look at the top teams in the NBA, whether we're talking about the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Golden State Warriors, the San Antonio Spurs. I mean, they all have more than one superstar. So let's stop saying the Celtics need a superstar and say the Celtics need another superstar. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's safe to say that Isaiah Thomas is, I mean, he's probably in the Eastern Conference. Let's face it, a top five, six player in the Eastern Conference. So, 
if you're trying to build a team around somebody, if this is, this is my thing, if Isaiah Thomas wasn't five nine, this wouldn't even be a conversation. That's that's the biggest thing is if he was like a six foot two guard playing like this, this wouldn't even be a conversation. Is Isaiah Thomas a superstar? Right, I agree, and that's exactly what he had to say after the Friday night's game. I mean, a lot of that had to do with what critics say about him and the fact that he's not in that conversation of being one of the best scorers in the NBA because it has a lot to do with his size. Well, yeah, because it, it it stems from the last two years in the playoffs when it comes to Isaiah Thomas and them not being able to get over that hump. So they need Celtics need an, uh, another another scorer doesn't so that the defense doesn't have to just focus solely on Isaiah Thomas. Like, you know, Isaiah Thomas, um, you know, we've seen what he's been doing so far this season. And granted, they're third in the, in the East right now. But, you know, they're not playing these teams seven times in a season. So you're not, you're not playing like a playoff series in the middle of the season. I guess these teams that they're figuring out how to stop the Celtics. But when it comes to playoff time and if the Celtics don't add another you know, superstar or, or, or another fourth quarter uh, scorer, then things might get complicated or not even complicated, just like more of the same of what we've seen the last two seasons. He's missed the fourth quarter. Isaiah Thomas had 29 points in the fourth quarter to lead the Celtics to a victory. Uh, the last time someone scored anywhere near that in, in the A fourth quarter, not just a quarter, but in the, the specifically the fourth quarter, he was a big man by the name of uh, Wilt Chamberlain. So he's the last person to do it. He scored 31. Isaiah Thomas nearly tied Wilt for the most points scored in the fourth quarter. Um, Sean, I love the fact that you brought up uh, Paul Pierce because, yeah, he did pass Paul Pierce career high. Paul dropped 50 in uh, 2006 against LeBron James and the Cavaliers in the double overtime win. So I think it's almost fair to say, I mean, you look at someone who's a top five scorer in the NBA. He's now averaging close to 28 points. I mean, this is that's the last person that we can think of who wore a Celtics uniform that could score at this high volume. And the reason why I love calling Isaiah Thomas Mr. Fourth Quarter because that was similar to what we used to call Paul Pierce, right? I mean, let's face it. Like you said, if Isaiah Thomas was six six or built like Paul Pierce, I think he would be brought up in a lot of other conversations for players who are one of, if not one of the top-notch scorers in the NBA. And I think that has a lot to do with why we don't hear his name mentioned in those conversations. Well, yeah, no, that's that's literally the only reason I can think of because the way he's played since he got traded to the Celtics back uh, two trade deadlines ago, I mean, it's it's been unbelievable, and the Celtics have been. Uh, I think the the record is about a six hundred team since he's been traded to the Celtics. So you're looking at a player who's averaging about twenty seven points a game on a team that's obviously going to be a top team in the Eastern Conference. Um, there's no reason for him to not be put on uh, that type of that type of list with with Paul Pierce. Now, obviously, Paul Pierce did it for a lot longer, right? Paul Pierce was the face of the franchise for oh, I don't know what was that, thirteen years, ten years, eleven years, twelve years, however long he was here. There's no reason for Isaiah Thomas not to be included in the. And you know what's you know what's going to piss me off if if Isaiah Thomas isn't a, uh, a starter in the All Star game. If it's not Isaiah Thomas and I mean I don't know what is what does Demar Derozan play? Is he going to be a forward? Is he going to be a guard? He's a four. He's a uh, he's a shooting guard. Forward. Oh, he's a guard or is a four? Because I mean I think Kyrie's going to be starting, and then that, that other guard position is going to be between Isaiah Thomas and Demar Derozan. 
Yeah, I think it's going to be between those two guys too because those two are definitely uh, both in the backcourt, and he's going to have to beat out either him or Lowry for that other spot because I think it's safe to say that uh, Kyrie Irving will probably get that point guard spot. Yeah, but you can't forget about Dwayne Wade. Not that I'm saying that he's having like a a, a crazy season, but you know, in the past, he has he's had he's gotten that that starting that starting spot because of the because of the fan voting, not because like he deserves he's it. Gonna but. get injured though. Dwayne Wade's gonna get injured, man. That's that's how that's how Avery Bradley's gonna make the uh, the All Star team. Well, I hope you're right. Oh, <laughs> that's messed up. So you're hoping he gets injured, Joel? Jeez, that's oh, messed yeah. up. Well, you know what? I don't think he'll be injured, but he may sit out. But at the same time, he might not want to sit out because, you know, it's the first time he's playing for his hometown in Chicago, and it's going to be uh, probably one of his last. So I think he's going to try to savor as many uh, all-star games as he can make at this point in his career. But it'll be interesting to see. I would love to see Isaiah Thomas obviously start. He definitely has the numbers, and the Celtics certainly have the record right now as being one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference as they sit third in the uh, in the East. So let's, uh, let's shift gears a bit. Let's talk about this rumor that's out there. And- including uh, Atlanta Hawk, big man, Paul Millsap. Sean, you were the one that brought this up before we got on the show here. Uh, is this something you would like to see go down? Do you want to see what Atlanta try to do now being done in Boston, but subtract Jeff Teague and add Isaiah Thomas? Is, like, is that something you want to see? Or do you think that um, this is something that the Celtics should sort of uh, let it pass by and, and try to look for another guy to, to put alongside in the front court? Let's let's break it down for a second. I mean, Paul Millsap's one of the top power forwards in in the NBA, right? Let's be honest. He's a, he's a top five power forward in the NBA in a position that's pretty deep. He's going to rebound. He's going to score for you. Two things the Celtics could use. Um, I mean, I think part of the reason why Al Horford left Atlanta was so he can play the four because he knew Paul Millsap was going to be there. So that may be your only sort of obstacle in this trade, but he's going to opt out at the end of the year. He's a, he said that already. So you're not going to have to give up too much for Paul Millsap. I mean, you're looking at getting Paul Millsap for less than what you probably would get for, uh, what you would ha- probably have to give up for Nerlens Noel in this situation, because he's going to be a guy that's going to play four months for you and then opt out and try to get it, try to get a big payday. So, Yes, I'm all for this. If the Hawks are going to deal him and try to get what they can for him, as long as the price isn't too much, which I haven't really, like, I, I don't know, uh, uh, Sway, have you been on the trade machine in the past couple of days? Or <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm not allowed to, man. It's only day two. I've been good so far. <laughs> okay, because this, this is something I haven't really worked. I looked at yet to see what my best offer would be um, if I was Danny Ainge. But, I mean, if you're looking, if they, if they want, like, a – a uh, Terry Rozier for Paul Millsap and uh, uh, some type of pick down the road. I'm pulling that trigger every day of the week. You know, obviously you got to match up salaries. I haven't, like I said, I haven't looked at it, but that's, I think, the type of price tag you're looking for to get an all-star. It's done, done any day of the week. I, I want him on the team because one thing that we're lacking is rebounding. And if you get a guy that can score and rebound and all he's going to do is rebound, it's perfect. Atlanta, At- Atlanta Hawks 2.0. Isaiah is better than Jeff Teague. They never had Avery Bradley. They never had Jay Crowder. It's basically, you know, the four and the five seed last year combined. It's great. I, I would love this trade. But Ducha, would you look at it as like, I don't know. It's like it's just it's a rental. That's what it sounds like. I mean, that's the way you're putting it. You you're willing to put up whatever it takes to get Paul Millsap for a rental? Well, like I said, I think everyone knows it's a rental. I don't think that I don't think the I was looking at some of the trade rumors. 
right now, so one of the trade rumors that was thrown out there, just let, let's, let's sort of talk this out and see if I'm losing my mind. But one of the trade rumors I saw out there was him going to uh, Toronto for Patrick Patterson, Terrence Ross, and Jacob Patel, which is nothing to get a player like Paul Millsap. Am I right? Yeah. If that's the asking price, yeah. Well, I mean, and that's that, that's just one of those rumored deals that are out there. But, I mean, if that's all they're looking for, you can throw in Tyler Zella, uh, Terry Rozier, and I don't know. I mean, yavaselli has been killing it out in uh, China. Throw him in the deal, whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you can get him, and then that's going to make you a player. I mean, Obviously, I think the, the the major question then is you're going to ask yourself if you're going to give up anything for a rental. Are you challenging the Cavs when you make this move? I mean, that's got to be the question, and I don't know how you feel about that. I think he might be challenging them. I mean, if you put in that strong of a front court, and obviously this is a trade that wouldn't include Jay Crowder, you know that would be that would be a one heck of a front court. But the only thing that concerns me is is, is matching up those contracts. Joel, what do you got? Well, uh, Paul Millsap this year is making just over 20 mil. He's got a player option next year for just over 21 mil. So. He already said he's opting out though. So you're just going to get him for this year. No, no. I mean, he says he's opting out. I'm assuming if he stays with the, with the Hawks, but if, if he gets traded to the Celtics and he sees like results and, you know, let's say a trip to the Eastern Conference finals and you just lose to the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm pretty sure that he, you know, he, he might stick around for at least one more season to see maybe, uh, Celtics add some, some other key pieces here. But, um, going back to trying to match contracts, you know, it's going to take a lot more than Terry Rozier and, uh, Yabaselli, uh, to make this deal go down. He's throwing a contract, right? Amir Johnson, Tyler Zeller, something like that. I, mean, I don't know how much Tyler Zeller is making. I don't think it's too much. Even if you're going to throw Kelly Olinick in it, I mean, those are trade pieces that literally are only going to be there. I mean, Kelly Olynyk's going to be um, uh, unrestricted free agent at the end of this year. So, if you have to throw him in the deal, if you throw Tyler Zeller or any of the Gerald Greens, whoever, I mean, you're not going to have to give up much to get. Uh, uh, I mean, Atlanta, if they make this move, they're literally looking to get some type of draft pick back, and you're matching up contracts after that. So, or or a young player. So. I mean, if they if they see Terry Rozier as a guy they think that can help their team, uh, you know, I mean, the funny thing is that they just signed Dwight Howard. I don't understand how they're blowing it up so quickly, but we'll we'll see. I mean, if they if they think Terry Rozier can help them in the future, maybe you have a a, a trade a trade piece right there that you want to build around. What about if they want someone like Marcus Smart? Yeah. So in a, in a deal, I mean, yeah, I think we're all on the same page. In a deal like this, we're not giving up Smart, Bradley. Crowder, none of that. No, I mean, you're not giving them up for a rental. Let, let's be honest. Well, right now, uh, they sit at the fifth seed. Uh, so I don't know if they might, if they would use the term blowing it up. I think they're trying to want, they want to add a few pieces. And I don't know about you, but, um, you know, their, their backcourt is a little weak. So I think they would probably need some backcourt help. Yeah. I mean, I, I, if I'm, if I'm the Hawks, I'm not dealing Paul Millsap. I'm going to try to convince him to stay. But I mean, the Hawks screwed themselves over when they signed Dwight Howard, a player that no one ever wants to play with. And you're not going to go to Paul Millsap and say, Hey, we signed Dwight Howard to a long-term deal. Obviously you're going to play with him, right? No, he's like, no, get me out of there. I don't want to play with that douchebag. So that's, that's it. They screwed themselves over. So now 
they have to build a team around Dwight Howard, and that's not going to get you very far. That, 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 that's not going to get you very far. You're going to lose your best player in free agency. So they're looking to try to get something for him now before it, uh, he walks away for nothing. So I, I don't I don't know why they're trading him. Doesn't make sense because they're in a position where they're in the playoffs. They have a couple good players. I mean, they're having a down year. They wasted money on Bazemore to, to like, thinking he was going to be the next the next guy in the NBA. But I don't know. I think I think you're looking. The only reason why this is this is coming up is the Hawks definitely mismanaged free agency this 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 summer. Yeah, I mean it's. It's tough because they've always been that like middle of the pack kind of team, even though they had, they've had some success the last couple of seasons. But now that, you know, you got Dwight Howard as your centerpiece, uh, no pun intended. Um, I think their backcourt, other than, you know, Dennis Schroeder and, you know, you got Baysmore here and there. I mean, Tim Hardaway hit a, hit a game winner against the Spurs the other night. So I don't know. They do have a lot of young talent. It's, I mean, so far it's only been they're possibly going to shop. Millsap around is, they're probably feeling out to what kind of deal they could potentially get back. You know, if, if, if the Celtics don't offer, you know, something worth talking about, then I don't know if, if, if we'll see Millsap in the Celtics jersey. Well, I definitely like his style of play for this team. He's someone that can finish strong around the rim. He's certainly a scorer. He can run the floor. So he fits the offense. I mean, there's no question about that. I just don't know if it'll be enough. I know that it could get them to the Eastern Conference finals. I don't know if you can knock off the Cavs, but if you're able to get that far with him and if you're able to put up a good enough fight, like Joel said, and, and, and push the Cavs to a game seven, that may convince him to, to stick around for one more year. I don't know. I mean, looking ahead, it's tough to say right now. It's tough to say what, what kind of money he could demand this offseason, which teams would be willing to pay it. But, um, like Ducha said, I mean, if, if this is a rental that can get you past Cleveland or even get you that close to where you're in a game seven situation against the Cavs, I mean, why not? Why not do it? And why not give up guys that you're probably not going to see next year anyways? I mean, you're probably not going to see Amir Johnson in Southern's uniform. You very well might, may not see Tyler Zeller in the uniform as well, in Southern's uniform as well. And, you know, it, it's kind of, it's kind of weird to put it this way, but I remember when the Tyler Zeller deal was made, during the off season, a lot of people looked at that eight million as a great trade asset to fit a trade just like this. If you're looking for a guy who's making close to twenty, or in this case, twenty million for um, for Millsap, that eight, extra eight million that you combine alongside Amir Johnson makes a trade fit perfectly for them to swap two for one and throw in a draft pick in there, like Ducha said, to entice to entice uh, the offer. And, and let's be honest, too. This is a game changer. He, he's a guy that's able to take one or two games by himself in a playoff series. I mean, we saw that single-handedly last year, uh, watching the Celtics try to try to contain him. I mean, this is an all-star that could make a difference. Now, you know, what? one of the funny things I've seen on Twitter was, uh, was, was Al Horford's sister there. Anna was like, oh, Paul's a good player, but, you know, we don't want Al having to try to play the five again. And I'm like, yeah, nah, man, <laughs> come on. Like, she's like, oh, we got away from that. But I mean, you'd have to get the, you'd have to get Al to sign off on it, I guess, because you paid him all that money. I'm sure, I don't think he, I don't think anyone would have a problem with adding a guy that could, that could do 20 and 10 on every, every single night, in and out. You know, and even if you just make him rebound, run the floor and rebound. I mean, that's, that's something that'll play right into his strengths. 
I love how Horford's sister just chimes in like that and talks about how, well, you know, he likes to play the four. And, you know, what the Celtics need to do is get a real center. It's like, whoa, come on now. Like, that's that's our job. Let us do the analyzing and, and breaking down this team. Don't come chiming in here talking about the Celtics don't have a true center. Like, come on. Come on, Yo, Horford. Let's, Chill. Let's come on, Anna. Next episode of the podcast, man. She's coming on. She's coming on Causeway Street. That's not a bad idea, actually. I like that. We should reach out to let's, him. Let's hit her up, man. She can get it, too, I think. But she might be one of those girls that, like, seems like they can get it in their profile picture, but they maybe really don't in real life. I don't know. I'm not touching that. I'm not, I'm not even going to get in that topic. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, like I said at the top of the show, we've got our uh, – every single week leading up to the All-Star break, we're going to be uh, giving our top 25 players in the NBA. Today, we kick it off with players 21 through 25. Dutra, I'm sure you don't have your list ready yet. You're like the Chuck of this situation, like on TNT. I mean, Chuck took him like week three to finally put together uh, five players for his list. So I think we'll start things off with Joel, and we'll break. We'll, we'll go from there. That's all right, Sean. You can write it while we talk about ours. I know it's cool. It's all good, man. Don't worry about it, man. Take your time with it. You know, make it make it good so we can have a good debate. Uh, let me turn things over to Joel. Joel, who you got for number 25 to 21? All right, number 25. I'm gonna start off with um, probably a sleeper. I'm going to say uh, Kemba Walker at number 25. Uh, at number 24, I have uh, DeAndre Jordan. At uh, number 23, I have Gordon Haywood. At number 22, probably the youngest guy on this list, uh, on my list, I'm sorry, Carl Anthony Towns. I have him at number 22. And at number 21, I have Al Horford. That's my uh, 21 through 25. Horford, huh? I'm surprised Horford made the list. Horford's not on my list. I'm surprised you put Horford in there. I mean, Horford's been great this year, but I don't know. He he might be on the outside looking in, uh, at least in, on my list. But all right, for mine, I have at number 25. Uh, see, this is something I I was going back and forth with. I was thinking maybe he should be a little higher because the Utah Jazz have been doing much better this season. I think they're surprising a lot of people this year. But I have Gordon Haywood at number 25. Oh. And you know what? I think I have to change that, but. For now, it's number 25. So that's the thing about this list, too, because from now until the All-Star break. Well, maybe I should do it on the fly. I don't know. But Okay. For now, you know what? At the end of it, we'll, we'll do our, our, our final top 25 at the All-Star break. But for now, I got Gordon Hayward at number 25. I got number 24, Marcus Saul. Still doing it. Very valuable player. Still at, uh, probably the most valuable player on the Memphis Grizzlies team as they're trying to... Uh, put together a, a run into the playoffs, but we'll see what happens with that. Uh, number 23. See, this is a guy I should have bumped lower than Gordon Haywood. Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony is just, wow, talk about a guy who's just completely fallen off from being a top 10 player not too long ago. Now he's number 23 on my list. Uh, number 22, I have uh, Sean Dutra's boy, the guy he wished to be a Celtic at one point, and, and once upon a time, Mr. Hassan Whiteside from the Miami Heat. And at number 21, I got Kevin Love. Kevin Love's had him, having himself one hell of a season. If he keeps it up, he could easily crack the top 20 or go even further onto uh, maybe, the, maybe the top 15. Who knows? Who knows, man? Sky's the limit, but Kevin Love's doing his thing. Easily his best season as a member of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And uh, that's my my 25 to 21. Dutra, you got your list ready or what? Yeah, man. I got that. I got that. I, got a, I just finished uh, dipping my pen in my ink. Writing it down right now. Got the feather got out. The, <laughs> got the feather out. 25. I don't know if this guy's going to be higher on your list or not, 
I don't think he's quite there yet, but I, I got uh, my boy Chris Sapp's poor Zingies coming in at 25. I think he's done enough to, to crack this list, at least. I don't know if he's... Is he on your radar, or, or am I just missing the whole point there? Should he be higher? I don't know. Uh, no, I, he's top 25 in my book. Yeah, I, I mean, think he's up there. I mean, so... So let, let's be honest. I mean, it's yeah. it's Porzingis, it's it's Vers or Melo that's going to make this list. I don't have I don't have Carmelo Anthony on my list. I would take Porzingis over Carmelo any day of the week. Wow! So Carmelo's out the top twenty-five, huh? He's out the top twenty-five. Number twenty-four, I got my boy Kevin Love. Even though uh, even though LeBron James has ruined him as a basketball player, and he'll oh, never this be again. the same while still in Cleveland, he should be a top ten player. He's actually just going to be twenty-four on this list. Thanks, LeBron. <laughs> Tucha, he's he's accepted his role, man. He's a great teammate. He, this is his best season as a member of the Cavs. How how can you give him all this flack after he's finally come out of his shell and, and has his role figured out? Nah, man. Nah, man. You can't accept your role as being a bitch. You can't. That that's a defeated person, then, dude. I don't want. I don't want that guy. He doesn't have a choice. If you're just gonna accept being LeBron's bitch, then I don't want you. You know, there's 25 left. But I I think deep down he's waiting for LeBron to just. I don't know, choke on a chicken bone or something. I don't know, figure that out. But uh, all right, going on to twenty three, and this person is definitely not a bitch. I got Al Horford at twenty three. Uh, I think he's had a um, he's obviously a top twenty five player in the league, uh, but I think he's he's um, this year he's shown a lot of versatility, taking a team, a young team, you know, being that veteran presence. He's you know he's not he's not a young. Uh, a young stud anymore. He's he's shown a lot of uh, versatility, and I think he's been one of the most important players on the Celtics. Obviously, other than Isaiah Thomas, so uh, he does crack the top twenty-five. He's not on your list, so is he? No, he's not. He's not. He's probably number twenty-six or twenty-seven. But yo, he missed a lot of games, Dutra. And oh, that's convenient. That that's convenient, Sway. Number twenty-six, right? You guys are homers. Go on. <laughs> All right. Number 22, I got Andre Drummond as my 22nd ranked player in the NBA. What's that bum doing on the list? What are you talking about? What's that bum doing on the list, man? He's not on your list? Tell him to make a free throw. All right, make a free throw. Yeah, someone's got DeAndre Jordan on there, and they're not going to tell him, tell, tell somebody to make a free throw. I got him at number 24. He's pretty low. And he's a much better defender than I Drummond. I got Drummond at 22, and Drummond's a much better offensive player. Sorry, I'll take, I'll take offensive. And Andre Drummond's not a good defender. Is that what you're trying to say now? How the Pistons doing? I don't know. You tell me. They're not doing that good. Well, comp- uh, compared to the Clippers, I guess. I guess. Well, actually, guess the Clippers are doing... Recently, they haven't been doing that great, actually. But anyways. I mean, I don't know. Drummond, he's, he's, on, the, he's on the bubble. I'm just surprised. I thought, I thought if you're going to bring up Drummond, he'd be like what? the first name off your, off your list. Like number 25 or 24. I'm surprised he's finishing your... You're uh, 25 to 21. No, he's 22. Oh, my fault. All right, who's your last one? Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, I like yeah, that. Better, better player than 21, but he's still young, man. You can't, you can't bump him into the top 20 yet. You can't bump him into the top 20. You got to pay a little bit of dues, and then, we'll, then he'll he'll be moving up. But uh, he's my de-, de facto number 21, just to stay out of the top 20. All right, all right, fair enough. Well done, Mister Ducher. Way to do that on the fly. Right when we're uh, doing our 25. I just looked at the top power forwards in the league and decided I would just do that. <laughs> Is that what you did? That sounds about right. What did you do, top big men? <laughs> uh, well, guess what? 
we'll see what happens with uh, 20 to 20 to, to number one. I was also thinking, like, if I don't put someone in the top, in the 25 area, 21 area, I'm either gonna, if I really like to play, I'm gonna have to put him in the top 20 now, or I'm gonna be excluding someone from the top 20. So I should have done my research, but I didn't. It's gonna be a great list, though, guys. It's gonna be great. All right, yeah, work on that, dude. Get that going. This episode of the Causeway Street Podcast is brought to you by Blue Apron, whose mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Blue Apron achieves this by supporting a more sustainable food system, setting the highest standards for ingredients, and building a community of home chefs. Guys, it is so easy to make. Get on it. This is Blue Apron. Three free meals. It won't cost you a dime. All you have to do is head over to blueapron.com slash causeway. Each meal comes with a step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe card and pre-portioned ingredients that can be prepared in 40 minutes or less. Don't wait. Head over to blueapron.com slash causeway. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So get to it. That's blueapron.com slash causeway. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. It's about that time we wrap things up here on this episode of the Causeway Street Podcast. Joel segment, in case you missed it, I have some topics that are in my mind. I'm sure Joel's going to bring them up, so I'm very excited to get to them. Joel, what did we miss? In case you missed it. All right. In case you missed it, the first of uh, 2017, George Carl is continuing his, uh, his what I like to call the slander tour after uh, excerpts from his, his book, Furious George, were leaked, you know, by the New York Post last week. Now he's criticizing none other than Damian Lillard. Mr. Carl was uh, doing a Q&A for the New York Magazine. And first of all, Lillard never been coached by George Carl, but the topic of, uh, of branding yourself on and off the court came up and George Carl expressed how he was irritated with certain players who like to brand themselves. Quote, I was watching the trail, the, the Portland Trailblazers the other night and I was trying to figure out what the hell is wrong with this team. And my conclusion is Damian Lillard. He is just simply getting too much attention. End quote. Lillard, who recently dropped his first album, the letter O, you guys got to go check that out, by the way, uh, <laughs> uh, stated how he was uh, confused. I'm paraphrasing what he said. He said that he's never spoken or uh, officially met George Carl, so he has nothing to say about him or the situation. So that's that. Carl also decided to uh, criticize bloggers last week, talking about how in the press room, the uh, three quarters of the writers are all bloggers. And that they're, this is, this is his term. They're headhunters. They try to trick you into making a mistake so that they can make their story or their column spicy as possible. Most bloggers don't even have the training or the ethics. So sorry, bloggers, but you can have at me all you want. George Carl continuing his, uh, his tour. Well, l- listen, listen here, George Carl. All right. As a blogger myself, let me tell you something. That's what. Every writer does, okay? They try to get you to say they want the juicy headline. They want the juicy story. Granted, there are some bloggers that are more on the, you know, controversial side and they, they're not, they're not in it to, to say positive things about you, but you can say the same thing about any other writer there is out there. I mean, there's good ones and there's bad ones. There's ones that look for those stories or ones that, that are, uh, you know, that th- th- you may be in their crossfires for, for targeting practice, but they're not all like that. Don't just generalize all bloggers as guys who are in that same realm of, you know, writers that want to criticize you. Come on, George Carl. You're better than that. I can't believe that he would look at the Portland Trailblazers, a team that 
literally traded away every major piece on that team two years ago. Oh, I didn't trade away. Let him walk in free agency, right? You lose Batum, Aldridge, and Wes Matthews. And you look at the team and you say, oh, the problem's uh, David Lillard. It's obviously David Lillard. No, that's, that's, the most, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> obviously, the problem is they haven't, they've lost every single talented piece that they put around Damian Lillard or Damian Lillard had there with him before. Last year, he went on that run and just really took the league by storm after getting that uh, all-star stuff. Right. Exactly. George, George, he's an idiot, dude. He's a drunken idiot. You know what? You know what he's also probably mad about is what's that commercial with like Damian Lillard, Kevin Love, Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan? What is that? What's that family called? Oh, the, uh, the State Farm commercial. Yeah. Yeah, man. He definitely like tried out to be the neighbor. And they were like, ah, nah, George, we, we don't need you here, dude. That's why he's so mad. That's why he's so mad. He's just jealous. He was trying to be Wilson. <laughs> Great home improvement reference. All right, one last thing, though, before I, before Joel continues. Um, yeah, I agree, man. I, I think he just doesn't like this whole era of social media and people, you know, marketing themselves and becoming a brand. But don't go out and single Dame Lillard like he's the problem in Portland. He's the reason why they were able to get out of the first round last year when no one even predicted them to make the playoffs. So don't just go headhunting and, and picking Dame Lillard because maybe you're upset at the fact that he's all over the commercials and because he has a rap album. No, no, he's not the problem in Portland. Okay, there's honestly, there's really nothing wrong in Portland if you think about it. I mean, for the talent that they have, they're, you, one would say that they were, they're overachieving. This year, they're not as good as they were last year. But the season's still young. They still could turn things around. I'm just really surprised that he would pick out Damian Lillard out of all the people he could have picked out and, and, and label him as a, a problem for a team. How are you going to go out there, write a book that is made to just make headlines, and then call out bloggers for trying to get headlines out of you? No one asked you to write a book, George Call. No blogger was like, yo, George, can you write this book? Man, I want to hear what you had to say. You are trying to make headlines right now, so shut the fuck up. Like seriously, like I don't, I don't understand that at all. That's the biggest hypocritical statement I've ever seen in my entire life. Well, uh, Terry Stotts, uh, the coach of the uh, Portland Trailblazers, was pretty pissed about what Carl had to say <laughs> because you know he did have his start with George Carl. He, he did mention that he goes, you know, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for George Carl. When it comes to my team and my players, you know, George Carl needs to stay in his lane and leave and, and just back off. So. You know, kudos to Scott for coming out and defending his uh, his star player there. That's good stuff. Probably wants to distance himself as much as possible from George Carl because uh, he may get fired and, and doesn't want to be uh, related to George Carl in any single way, shape, or form right now. So. That's a good point. Uh, in case you missed it, um, Rajon Rondo, uh, he'll be meeting with the, uh, the Bulls general manager about his uh, role moving forward or possible trade even. Uh, after some recent benching, uh, Fred Hoiberg, he sat Rondo for the second half of a game on Friday night against the Pacers after playing only 11 minutes and the second half didn't see a single second. Followed that up with a DMP on Saturday and a loss to the Bucks on Saturday night. So could this be the end of the line for, uh, for Rondo and Chicago for, you know, our old friend there based on what, uh, has happened, obviously the last two games for, for the Bulls. Um, Rondo, he's open to have a different role if that's what the team wants. And if they don't see another role for him, he's open to a trade as well. Uh, Rondo signed a two year deal 
And next year, he start, I think he's 14 mil this year. And next year, he's only guaranteed 3 mil. So it's like a partially guaranteed contract for next season. So what are y'all thoughts? Did anyone not see this coming? <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, both of really? us. Really? Both of us. <laughs> are you what? the only one? You're Nostradamus again? Sean Tradamus? Dutradamus? I, I mean, you didn't see... I don't know. I just think Rondo... It's not like he's had the best run since he's left the, left the Celtics. And um, Dwayne Wade needs the ball in his hands to be a good player. I don't know. I just feel like that that fit never made sense to me. Jimmy Butler needs the ball in his hands. Rondo is not the guy to run the offense like he... You know, when he was in Sacramento, it was all well and good because they were letting him just pass, right? They would let him run the offense and pass. But you got two guards that are need the ball. You're not going to be able to just do whatever you want to do with the ball. So uh, I don't. I never thought it was a great fit for him, but I don't know, man. He's definitely, I mean, just chalk it up on the list of teams that just won't work out for Rajon Rondo. I don't know. Well, looking – I mean, looking back on it now, I feel like I should have seen it coming. But they got such a great start. I thought this was the first time in a while that Rondo would be in a winning situation. I thought alongside those two guys, they were going to, you know, fall somewhere near the middle of the top eight in the East. And I thought that would motivate him. I thought that would bring out the Rondo somewhat. I knew, I know he's not going to be the same Rondo that he was in 2012. But I thought that being on a team in a winning situation and not being on a rebuilding team that's not even going to make the playoffs would motivate him to, you know, revert back to being somewhat like that old Rondo. But now that you, you know, see how things are played out and you see the fact that, yeah, you're right. I mean, both of those guys are very, they need the ball just like Rondo does. And Rondo, you know, it's just that the first few weeks it was working out. And I thought that maybe that that would continue to keep going. But I guess I was wrong. And I'm just, I don't know, man. I'm just kind of disappointed. I mean, I, I'm hoping that maybe they can work things out because I don't think there's another place or another stop for Rondo or a team that's going to, be able to, to to want to take a risk on him to run their team. And we all know Rondo, I mean, if we're talking about a, a, a bench role, he's not going to accept that the way that most teams would want him to. So it's going to be a, a tough go for Rondo if he can't make this work in Chicago. Granted, the the Kings had a, another awful season last year, but he was coming off his best season since he's since he left Boston. And, you know, the only he was the only guard last year to average a double-double. He had he was, he led the league in assists, twelve assists. He had he averaged twelve points and he averaged seven rebounds. So it's not like he came off a, a, an awful year in Sacramento. And it's and it's easy and it's easy to look at a coach like Fred Hoiberg because why didn't it work out so well last season? Like that they, they had they were just the talent that they had last year that Chicago should have made the playoffs. And this year, so far, you know they did they did they did start off great. I mean they do have wins against Cleveland, San Antonio. Um, it's not like, it's not like they're, they're completely have fallen off. They're only a game under 500 and, 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 and a week, in a week Eastern conference. And Rondo is, he's, he's, he's already stated that he's, he's willing to accept that they want him to come off the bench. He'll do that. So I don't see how, you know, this can't work in, in Chicago. I, I have a bad feeling that the NBA that was 10 years ago that Rondo would have been one of the most valuable players in the league and is passed him by, man. I just don't see like, I don't see how he's going to be a starting point guard on a contender unless there's an injury or something like that. I, I just don't see it. I think I'm not saying, I'm not sitting here going to tell you that Rajon Rondo was done, but 
as a, uh, I mean, as the Rajon Rondo that we saw here in, in, in green and as a Boston Celtic, I don't think you're ever going to see that again because there's too many times he's burned the bridges now. That's three teams, man. That's three teams that, that just, it didn't work out. So and if you count the Celtics, that's four. So, I mean, I don't know. I think, I don't want to put the, I don't want to put Rajon Rondo in his, you know, retirement plan already, but. I don't know. I don't. I don't see how if he, unless he has an attitude adjustment and, like you said, is actually okay with coming off the bench. I don't see how he's going to be on any type of uh, competitive team going forward and for the rest of his career, unless he can establish himself as like a a KG vet or something like that, where he is that guy coming off the bench and making a difference. But as for an, an all star caliber point guard, I don't know, guys. I'm off. I'm off the Rajon Rondo bandwagon here. Yeah, you've been off ever, ever since before he got traded from Boston. And he only, only burned his bridge in, in Dallas. That's it. He burned, his, he burned his bridge in Boston. And he's working on burning his bridge in, in, in how did, Chicago. How did he burn right his bridge now? in Boston? How did he burn his bridge in Boston? How did that happen? Don't you remember when he fell in the shower? Or, or when? Okay. And birthday gate. Just, birthday gate. <laughs> okay. And, 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 birthday gate. He he, or, he or came back he, in time. He came back in time for the start of the season that year. He started. He started. He started I, the first I'm, game of the season. I'm never gonna win this argument with you, Joel, because I know you're the biggest Rondo fan ever. <laughs> but I mean, I don't no, know. I, don't think I'm I, the biggest I, fan I ever. still thought. I I I still thought that when Rajon Rondo left, I thought that he was going to be able to go to another team and be the Rajon Rondo that we had when the, when the Celtics were content. I thought that was a possibility. Well, I just didn't see it happening on a rebuilding team. But, I mean, when you're looking at his personality not fitting in and these teams don't invest much in him, so they don't have to work with his flaws, I, I just don't see how it's going to work out. Like, you, you look where he succeeded in, in Sacramento. They had him for a one-year deal. They weren't a playoff team. They let him run the offense. They said, give the ball to DeMarcus Cousins. He got his assist. DeMarcus got the points. They lost a lot of games, right? You try to put him on a team that, that gave him a two-year deal now, still still short money, not a lot invested in him. You have He's your third option, possibly even fourth option if you're looking at the way the team's looking offensively. I mean, th- that type of spot isn't going to work for Rajon Rondo anymore unless he changes his entire attitude issues that he's had all, all, all through his career. I don't know. It's it's going to be a different Rajon Rondo. We're going to see moving forward if he's going to be successful. All right. Uh, in case you missed it, another another former uh, Celtic uh, here, Doc Rivers, who was uh, falling off quick there with the Clippers, who have lost like five or six straight. He got ejected the other night after uh, arguing about his son being ejected also in a 140. That's right, 140 to 116 loss to the Rockets. On Friday night, and that game did not go to overtime, folks. That was a regulation game. I believe that's Doc's second or third ejection. That would be one hell of an overtime. So, yeah, uh, in case you missed it, speaking of the Rockets, James Harden, he decided to close out 2016 with a bang as he uh, recorded his eighth triple-double, 53 points, 17 assists, and 16 rebounds in a 129-122 win over the Knicks. I mean, he just couldn't let Isaiah just be the last guy to score over fifty, right? You know, you know, he he had to they had to come in and and score just one more point more than uh, Isaiah. 
And I guess he's just pissed off that he was he didn't play on Christmas Day because he's been on a tear for the last week. Yeah, less than 24 hours he has to go ahead and top Isaiah Thomas. Now Thomas is old news. You know, one day later he's old news. And because of this, man, I got to say, just like in my Isaiah Thomas, my case for Isaiah Thomas, both of those guys may have been bumped up a slot or two on my top 25 list. You know, you know, he definitely texted Russ Westbrook after that game, and he was like, "Your move, bro. Your move. I got a fifty-three point triple double. What you got?" That's uh, I, I watching those. I just can't even fathom that those two dudes, plus Kevin Durant, were on the same team. It's it's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. But and all three of them are MVP candidates right now. But I know. I, I know. digress. And, and, but yeah, that's let's let's not go down that path. Yeah, exactly. Let's let's keep it moving. I mean, the good thing about that the the Thomas game though is he did score twenty nine points in the fourth quarter. Like that could have been just a good game overall. You know, never mind just the fourth quarter. And that I don't know. I just I just think that that when it comes to Isaiah Thomas and 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 now you see James Harden and I believe Clay Thompson has a sixty point game too this season. Play uh, players are going to be you know. Overlooking what a five foot nine Isaiah Thomas did on Friday night. Isaiah Thomas right now has, is on a, is on a streak of 18 consecutive games of 20 plus points, which is the NBA's longest current streak. Point that out there real quick. So take that for whatever it's worth. This is in case you missed it is brought to you by CLNS radio. Make sure you download the app on your iPhone or your Android for all the best coverage of Boston sports on the internet, Patriots, Bruins, Red Sox, and the Celtics. You can also listen to the Causeway Street podcast on the app. That is the CLNS radio app. Make sure you go and you download that. Once again, Happy New Year to uh, all you folks listening out there. And you can uh, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat, all at Causeway Street. Make sure to like us on Facebook. and. That's it for In Case You Missed It. And go to CausewayStreetBlog.com, our homepage. We've got a couple of pieces up there to start off the new year. we got Sway. Well, it's not an argument, but it's more like he's pointing out, he's pointing out why he believes the uh, Isaiah Thomas trade is the biggest steal of Danny Age's tenure here in Boston. That, that's really funny that uh, uh, Sway just writes about bullshit then. Cause uh, whoa, do we whoa. forget about Kevin Garnett, whoa. motherfucker? Okay, look, listen. This is why I Kevin said you I didn't. didn't say Thomas is better. Oh, listen, it's, it's not about. It's not calling it the. This isn't the best trade he's done. It's the biggest steal. He gave up. He didn't give up much to get Isaiah Thomas. He gave up like nine players to get Kevin Garnett. That's that's not a steal. That's just a trade. That's a great trade. That's one that obviously paid dividends. But if you're talking about a steal, I mean, he gave up Marcus Thornton. And the 28th overall pick for Isaiah Thomas. If someone would make that trade today, they would call him crazy. True, but if someone would have made that Kevin Garnett trade again, uh, they would they would call them absolutely mental as well. So, I mean, what did you really give up there? What did you really give up? Al Jefferson, Ryan Gomes, Gerald Green. Who the hell else is in that trade? Bunch of nobodies for Kevin Garnett. I mean, let's let's be honest though. I mean, you can sort of give. A little bit of understanding to the fact that Isaiah Thomas wasn't an MVP of the league when they traded for him. So, I mean, Kevin Garnett was the MVP just a couple of years before they made that trade. 
and they gave up nobody. They gave up. They gave up all their crappy ass drafting. So I don't know. Isaiah Thomas was a steal, but I don't know. you can't you can't put him above Kevin Garnett in my in my opinion. Okay, I get what you're saying. Yeah, uh, Isaiah Thomas wasn't even an All Star before he, he he arrived here in Boston. You're right, wasn't an MVP and all that all that good stuff. But considering what you gave up, two pieces. Two pieces that like are, are are an afterthought. No one even thinks about that. A lot of people don't even realize what you really gave up to get Isaiah Thomas. But with the Kevin Garnett deal, you you had to fill out your roster afterwards. Like you had to get key role guys to make this thing work. And let's be honest, no one, no one, I don't care how big of a Celtics fan you are, didn't think that that was gonna be that was gonna work like that. The, the smooth as it did in year one, resulting in a championship, obviously. But is it you know here, here we are almost two years removed from the Isaiah Thomas trade and here he's going off of fifty points and like on a on a on on a on a random Friday night so and he, I'm not saying he's gonna continue to be scoring fifty points over and over again but if you add you know some key pieces around him like this is this is something this is someone that no one was talking about especially coming into the league you know the sixtieth fucking pick overall in 2011. You have the number one pick, Kyrie Irving, and you got the number 60th pick and, and Isaiah Thomas, and they're not that far off number-wise. Exactly. Yeah, this is That's why it's called a steal, dude. He straight up bamboozled the Suns into training Isaiah Thomas because they didn't know what they had, okay? I understand the, the Kevin Garnett deal looks crazy now, but at the time, you didn't know that Al Jefferson was going to be you know, uh, not an all-star at that time. If, if you were, if someone were to ask you, do you think Al Jefferson is going to be an all-star in the future? You would have said, no, you would have said yes without even thinking about it. You would have said, this guy is going to be a future all-star. No one could have predicted all the injuries and no one could have predicted Joe Green would be a journeyman who, who's what on his seventh team, uh, in the last, what, 10 years. I think a, I think a couple of people probably could have, I, I'm with you on Al Jefferson. Gerald Green, let's be honest. Well, Al yeah, Jefferson was the centerpiece. Without Al Jefferson, there's no deal, right, obviously. Right, right. But I'm just saying, I mean, if you, if the whole reason why I think a lot of people were okay with that trade was they saw, is Al Jefferson ever going to be Kevin Garnett? And the answer was absolutely not. He's not, he's maybe an all-star. He's never going to be Kevin Garnett. He's never going to be the MVP of the league. So looking back at that trade, that's the biggest deal. And it, I, I mean, I don't. I don't want to go down all of NBA history, but if I could argue that trade against any other trade in NBA history, to say that that's one of the biggest steals of all time. No, I said of, of Danny Ainge's tenure. I'm not saying an NBA of all trade history. I'm talking about since no, Danny's put, been here. Right. I will put that Kevin Garnett trade up to any trade of all time and try to and, and have some ground to stand on of why that's the biggest steal ever in NBA history. I'm not saying in NBA history. I'm talking about Celtics. I'm talking about Celtics history and Celtics history. That and, and not Celtics history and Danny Ainge's tenure. Like out of all the deals he's made since he's been the GM of the Celtics, that I think that was the biggest deal. And you also you also thought you also thought Ryan Gomes was going to be around for a while too, didn't you? You thought Ryan Gomes was going to be a, a, a role player for you know a long NBA career role player at that time, didn't you? You thought Sebastian Telfair wouldn't have fallen out of the league so quickly the way he did too. Don't lie, Sean. Don't lie. I met you. I met you the season when they were really bad, and you had high hopes for all three of those guys. We met in college, and that was the season where the Celtics were that, that, that they were that bad. And Al Jefferson was the 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 biggest topic 
of Celtics fans in terms of you know him being a a a, a uh, second option after Paul Pierce. We've had those conversations. Sebastian Telfair was a starting point guard, and everybody was pumped up about it. And uh, you might hate Gerald Green now, but I bet you you were the you were the biggest Gerald Green fan, especially that year. Uh, I was more of a Tony Allen guy. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Well, well, I mean, they didn't have to give up Tony Allen to get uh, you know, Kevin Garnett. So, you know, that's him. Allen. They didn't have to give up Brian Rajon Rondo. They had two players that they know that you could just watch the team and you knew they were going to be better. They didn't include them in that deal. Still the biggest deal. I don't know if but, if the Celtics win a championship with Isaiah Thomas. I'm on board. All right. But until then. Until then. I'm surprised though that you're saying this because, you know, you're 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 a huge Isaiah Thomas guy. And, you know, the Suns didn't know what they had when they got when they let him go. Minnesota knew what they what they were giving up. Yeah, they were exactly. like, it's what it is. Look, he bridged the gap. Which, which is why it makes it worse in my opinion. He bridged the gap, Dutra. He bridges the gap. He bridged the gap. I mean, without Isaiah Thomas, there's no Al Horford, there's no playoff appearances, there's just draft after draft of rookies trying hoping that one of them just like Jalen Brown, will turn into, you know, the next, I don't know, Paul Pierce, so to speak. Like, th- there was, there would be no playoff appearances in the last two years without him. I just think he bridged the gap. Guys, check out the article for yourself. Let us know what you think. Uh, also, check out uh, my uh, my good ratings to 2006 piece. 2006. 2016. Sorry. We're talking about 2006, you know, with all this. And it uh, threw me off there. Yeah. You know, check out all the all the crappy stuff that happened in 2016. You know, sports wise and, 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 and pop culture. Uh, that's, uh, causewaystreetblog.com. So for, for Sean and Sway and, and, and myself, Joel, enjoy your, enjoy your first week of 2017. Anything else you guys want to add before we get up out of here? I think we can all say, fuck 2016. Let's go 2017, man. Here we go. Amen to that. Great way to end the show. Yep. Later. Peace.